Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 68 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Wine, and she's great for Today we are talking with the fabulous and overly extremely intelligent <laughs> Andrea Nakayama about reframing how we look at health concerns in relation to Hashimoto's and thyroid issues. It's going to be a great show. She is so brilliant know, right? and knows so much. We're going to have to get her to, and we're going to have to get her to talk down in in layman's people terms. <laughs> She's so brilliant, right? I know, right? It's it's an awesome uh, it's an awesome topic, though. I mean, it's it's really never been doesn't get discussed very often, so I'm super, super excited. And, of course, real quick, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation podcasts, uh, you can very easily download and listen to them at your leisure on iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. That was actually Thyroid Nation Radio <laughs> podcast. And and there's so many other apps out there that you can probably listen to it on, too. I have no idea. I'm not nearly as cool as my kids. Okay, for those of uh, the few people who do not know our guest, uh, she is a functional nutritionist and educator, and uh, she leads clients, students, practitioners around the world in a revolution focused on reclaiming ownership over one's own health, which is really, really, really important. Her passion for food as personalized medicine was born from the loss of her young husband to a brain tumor in 2002. It's going to be really hard for me to finish reading her bio because that just breaks my heart. So founder of Replenish PDX, co-founder of the Hashimoto's Institute, and creator of her own Girl's Guide to Hashimoto's, Hashi Hashi Companion, which is really, really neat. She is regularly consulted as a nutrition expert for the toughest clinical cases and the practices of many world-renowned doctors. Her unique ability to make the very complex, easily digestible is one of the many factors that led to Andrea being honored with the 2015 Impact Award and 2016 Service Award for the National Association of Nutrition Professionals. I just got goosebumps and tears at the same time. I, That's I don't know. Awesome. Right? That's awesome. And we have been All right. we have been waiting to talk to her. Um we've been uh, going back and forth and just we've had issues and she's had issues and just hasn't worked and so today is the day we have her on and Tiffany and I are so excited to talk to her. It almost feels surreal. <laughs> All right. She mm-hmm. is with us, so let's get this thyroid nation thriving. No one better than her. Good morning. Hello. Are you, can you okay? Yay, I you. can. Yay. Thank you so much for that gracious uh welcome and um and invitation to be here with you. I'm so excited. Oh, we, we we just oh can't God. believe it. It's taken a long time, and you and I have Facebook messaged uh, back and forth for a while, and we are so glad today is the day. So thank you, th- thank you for joining us, Andrea. Yes, I really, really appreciate day, it. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's actually happy birthday to my daughter Savannah, who is twelve exactly. today. Yeah, and we get to celebrate our kids too. Yes, we do. We do, and you know, it goes so fast. It just, I'm posting all these pictures on Facebook because you know Facebook shows memories, and so I'm sharing them. And 
I mean, you know, people say it goes fast, and you believe them, but you just don't get how fast it goes when your kids grow up. I mean, she's 12. I just can't get over it. So happy birthday, Savannah LaRue. I love you. Yay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's so big. She's a big girl. How old is yours? How old is my yours? son is 15, and I'm just I'm thinking the same thing. It goes fast, and it's so much fun wow. to see them grow up and come in to themselves. I'm just I'm really appreciating my my 15 year old these days, which um, I hope everybody can say that when their kid is 15. But I just I like who he is, which is really really fun, and probably also a product of our family that it's just the two of us. So, you know, you mentioned the loss of my husband, and I always say that if I had to do it alone with one kid, I'm glad I got the kid I got. Right. Well, let's let's right. let's jump into that story for those few people who don't know your story and because it really does lead us to where you are and who you are today. So, I I may get teary, but let's let's just, just jump right into your story. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that we all have a story and so much of the work I'm doing now is really focused on what that story is that each of us as patients have that led us to where we are today with our signs, our symptoms, our diagnoses, whatever it is that we're facing, there's a story in there. And that story is what happened to us, but it's also what happened before we were here, our genetics. There's so many aspects to our story that we can start to tease apart. And for me, as you mentioned, my husband was diagnosed with an aggressive brain tumor. It's called a glioblastoma multiforme, a grade four brain tumor. When I was just seven weeks pregnant with our son and you know we were at that place where we hadn't even told anybody we were pregnant yet we were in that waiting period so we were actually telling people at the same time he saw him has been diagnosed with a brain tumor and I'm pregnant you know very uh, surreal experience that is the only experience I know about pregnancy so he was given about six months to live and um we were able to sustain his life nearly two and a half years. So that meant that he was able to have some good imprinting time with our son, with Gilbert. So he died when Gilbert was 19 months old. And it was, it was a transformative experience to say the least. It taught me a lot about love and compassion and really watching the medical system and how the medical system can or cannot see an individual for who they are, for the whole person. And that really fuels the work that I do today. It was also my boot camp in learning about anatomy and physiology and understanding how the brain (laughs) works. What a boot camp. Gee whiz. It was a boot camp. Exactly. I mean, just dealing with his situation, as well as the fact that here I was pregnant and wanting to foster a healthy baby to be born. So yeah, that was a starting place for me in so many ways. And it was also the one of the big triggers for my thyroid disease. I was just about to ask you that. And you said, Andrea, you said 
he passed away when your son was 19 months old? Yeah, it's almost, we're coming up on that 14-year anniversary now. So it was wow. July 9, 2002. Oh. And, but he got to see your son. That's, that is so, I mean, amazing. Just what a huge blessing. It was <sighs> definitely, there were so many blessings in it and it's you know it's hard to speak about it that way I I like to think of it as post-traumatic growth because I learned so much from being with him in that time and also midwifing him to his death I feel like he gave me the biggest gifts in life that I will ever have and allowed me to see the beauty in sickness and dying, which is something I think we all run away from. And I think it's one of the things that enables me to really work with the chronically ill patient with a level of compassion and a lack of fear. So I'm, I'm grateful to him on a, for a number of reasons, but it was really a blessing to walk that walk with him. Okay, well, let me ask you so I don't get teary because I already am a little bit. I'm just going to turn this <laughs> oh, honey, I was going to say, I'm It's an amazing, <laughs> fabulous, extremely difficult story. So I can't help it. You're probably more used, used to it, obviously, but for those of us hearing you say it, it's very emotional. So I'm just going to change the subject really quick so I don't start getting teary. Tell me, what did you do, if you don't mind, before... Um, all of this happened. Were you in any kind of medical, uh, you know, um, field at all? I mean, were you like a teacher, a plumber? What, what did you do before <laughs> all of this happened? I had a very different, very accomplished career before this all happened. So I worked in book publishing for 15 years, and um, I was a production director. I worked on very high-profile books. Al Gore's book, all the HBO books, a very beautiful, large coffee table books. I was a uh, production director. So that comes through probably in what people experience when they come into my coursework and my community. There's a very high level of uh, consideration brought to the experience of each individual, whether it's reading my newsletters, weekly newsletters, or coming into a program, I really have a keen attention to the entire experience the individual is having. And a lot of that stems from that time in uh, book publishing. At the same time, I was starting to really write a lot and really studying the craft of writing. I was starting to publish articles in newspapers and in books. Um, and my plan when I started to have children, when we started our family was that I would leave publishing and focus on my writing. So that too is probably fairly evident in my work. I love hearing from people who read my newsletters that they just really appreciate the voice. And that's something I feel really passionate about. Um, I'm finally circling back and working on my first book. I feel a little late to the books, but I've been really pouring my heart and soul into building the community that we have online. And that's been my medium. So totally different career uh, related to it was that I was always obsessed with my own health. 
So I didn't really understand the physiology of it or anything that I understand now, but because I, I had put myself back through school for all of that. I have an art degree. So, um, but I was passionate about food and about making food, about hosting dinner parties, about shopping at the farmer's market and about my own health. I would notice that when I got stressed at work, I would go for a latte and a muffin, and then I'd go, that's not helping me with the stress, and I'd go on a kind of little cleanse where I would take the inflammatory foods out. So I was always playing with food from a culinary standpoint and from a, hmm, let me see what makes my body feel better standpoint, but certainly not to the degree that I understand now. And that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of amazing if you think about it, Andrea. I mean, that was 15, 16 years ago you were doing that, playing mm-hmm. with food, uh, being, you know, 17 years ago, paying attention yeah. to how it made you feel. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible because it's just now, of course, the thyroid world and all that, we talk about that, but just, you know, your next door neighbor or whatever. I mean, it's just now becoming something that people are paying, paying attention to. So look at you. Head of the game, yeah, right? No, I never really. I I just got so into the cooking piece, and the cooking piece led me to the health piece. And again, like you're saying, looking back, it was very rudimentary what I was playing with, but there was a insight that I had that it could make a difference. And because of that, when Isamu was diagnosed, that was the first place I turned. I started looking and reading about food as medicine. So the first thing I remember reading was about sugar and cancer and how the sugar feeds the cancer cells and the glucose, the the mechanisms in there. And that was the first thing I presented to him after his diagnosis. Look at this evidence. What do you think? So I should say here, my husband was half Japanese, Uh, very stoic, (laughs) his own man. So I couldn't say, we're going to change our diet. All I could do was bring forward to him. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's the evidence. What do you think? At this point, and this is really interesting to think about with ourselves and our partners or our children, anybody whose diet we want to change, sometimes the fear has to be large enough for there to be a big enough motivating factor for us to make that change. And of course, with him, he had a pregnant wife. He was at the start of his career, really taking off, was wanting to be a dad. He, his motivating factors were huge. So even though I had to present it to him and not tell him what we were doing, he basically was going to do anything that we saw there was some research or literature associated with a shift. So that allowed us to not be in the battle place of does it work or doesn't it work? We just were going, okay, time to learn. So when I took sugar out of our diet, and this is a good lesson for everybody, and it actually relates to the very first online program I created, the Sweet Tooth Bitter Truth Home Study Course, what I did was I knew he had a sweet tooth. And then if we said, okay, no sugar, no sweets, whatever, forget it, that that was going to be difficult for him. And I wanted him to feel alive and like he was enjoying things and and he loved. So that's when I really started to experiment with what are the low glycemic sweeteners? How do I work with them? How do I make sure we have cookies and, you know, 
little things we can eat so that we're not feeling deprived even while we're uh, you know, reducing or eliminating the thing that is causing harm. So that was a first playground for me and, you know, the concept that I would call crowding out. How do we replace what we used to eat that isn't serving us with something that is wildly healthful, not with a replacement like, you know, a gluten-free processed baked good, but something that was a whole food yummy that wasn't, causing the same ill effects. Well, give us an example, because I'm sitting here thinking, i got to know something. (laughs) Give me something. Tell me one example of something. So so many things. I mean, now, like, so many years later. Exactly, exactly. And there's a few resources I'll give you right now. And I I just want to say, like, we don't need to be deprived from sweets nor should we have sweet deprived from our life because we have a lot of sweet taste buds on the tongue. So from a functional nutrition lens, I'm always looking at why is somebody craving sweets? What's that about? Is there a bacterial imbalance like candida? Is the sugar feeding something else in the body or in the brain? What's happening with that sugar? The adrenals, how come we're craving the sweets? But we do need sweets and we have to make sure we're getting those in a way that's not also causing us harm. So, you know, that time with Isamu, I want to say also became a place of real empowerment for me. And this is where those roots of food as medicine were really born for me because there was something I could do every day, several times a day that could impact the course of the prognosis he was given. And it gave me a lot of power and a lot of ability to love, to show my love through food. And that was incredible. If we could all do that for ourselves, there's a tremendous shift. Now, in terms of answering your question, Tiffany, about like, what, what is there? I mean, one of the things that I've created is called the Naka Yummy. It's a nice little uh, chocolate. I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anybody can I Google, they can Google Naka Yummy and, or Andrea and <laughs> then Naka Yummy. And there's plenty of places where that recipe will come up. That's a, a quick and easy one. One I also encourage people to make to replace their square of dark chocolate every night because we can get better nutrients through making our own little squares of dark chocolates. And that's what that is. And at Replenish, we have a Pinterest page that is pinterest.com forward slash replenish. And we post all of our replenish approved recipes there our own as well as those that we're finding out on the internet so those are all going to be gluten dairy sugar free Um, also specialty diets are listed there whether it's FODMAP or a low histamine diet um, certainly egg free nut free autoimmune paleo we try to keep those boards active so that those who are following diets that are in any way restricted for health benefits have some great, exciting resources. Okay, all I'm I can think about is chocolate. not get yummy. Yes, that's all I can think I'm about. Looking at your chocolate, not the yummies right now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you said we could Google it. You said, so why did it? You <laughs> said to Google it. <laughs> uh-uh. Okay. 
let's um let's, let's talk yeah, about. I was um, going to point out. Hey, hey go ahead. One real quick. I was I was just going to point out. It's so interesting to me when you know we have a tendency with Hashimoto's to compartmentalize food. We make it very non-emotional. It's it's um, I'm just not putting it into words properly, but and. I love the way you shifted that with your husband and, and you made it what it really is, which is love and nourishment, not only physically, but, but spiritually. And we've lost that in Hashimoto's. I mean, we read so many mm-hmm. forums where people are just, I can't eat this, I can't eat that. I mean, food becomes an, a, a major enemy. And there's a spiritual loss in that, I, I think, mm-hmm. that is a, is a huge portion of it and need for healing that comes with, with Hashimoto's. And I, I love the way you reconnect people to the, the love and nourishment and self-care that comes from, from eating. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an incredibly important factor that just constantly gets missed. You know what I'm saying? Everybody just, don't eat this, yes. don't eat that, don't eat this. Right. And people that aren't eating anything... Right, you know, going down that road. <laughs> so yeah, it's like reconnecting people to the to the love and, and literally soul food. I mean, that sounds kind of trite, but but it really is. Food is incredibly powerful. Not just not just medicine, but but spiritual. It's spiritual food. Eating culturally has been the love of family and friends and community, and I'm just so excited. Yeah, you know, a little bit. I think that those are really great points. And I'd love to just kind of, I jotted some things down that are real triggers for me to think into if, if I can, there does, it does happen that people who have Hashimoto's who have autoimmune conditions start to really restrict their food extensively. And there's a few things I want to talk about there. Number one is that um, when we can eat, can eat, can eat, can eat, and that's the story that we're telling ourselves, there's something else that's going on in the body if our, if our food intake is restricted so much. Now, when I say that, I want to say that like there are definitely things that are off the list that we can't be eating. Refined sugar isn't going to help with the adrenal thyroid connection. Um, Gluten is definitely, we know, a huge contributing factor, both a trigger and a mediator in the expression of Hashimoto's. So we want to keep things off in the, what I call the poison ivy. I like to say there's your path, there's your bike lane, which others might call the shoulder if they don't (laughs) live in the Pacific Northwest. And then there's the poison (laughs) ivy. Right. So we need to know, and it's different for each of us, what's on my path, what actually fuels me and feeds me and is good for me? What does work? What can I eat? And then what's over there in the poison ivy? I don't want to walk over there. You know, I cannot eat gluten. I cannot eat corn. I can't go over there in the poison ivy personally, but we each need to know that for ourselves. And that might come from experience or from testing of various sorts. And then there's the shoulder, What can I eat on occasion that doesn't harm me 
and that's not causing long-term damage, but that my body can tolerate my body. We each need to know that for ourselves. You know, if I talk about myself and my dear Hashi sister, Dr. Isabella Wentz, she can eat eggs. I can eat eggs. I can eat raw goat dairy on occasion. She cannot eat raw goat dairy. We're all different. And this is really what is behind functional medicine and functional nutrition, understanding those distinctions. So when we say I can't eat, I can't eat, I can't eat, first of all, that's sending a signal to our brain. But second of all, we need to look at why, what's happening within our body that is not allowing us to process the food. Is it an allergy? Is it a sensitivity? Is it an intolerance? And how do we begin to correct the factors that we can we can't correct all of them, but it's not just about the food. It's about where the food meets our inside. So that's the first thing that I was thinking about when you said that, Tiffany. Second, when we start to restrict our food intake so much because we react to everything, not only are we not addressing the underlying imbalance, but we're starting to invite nutrient deficiencies. So we need to make sure that we're repleting the nutrients. And I have a gift for everybody that'll show what nutrients we need that affect the proper thyroid function that we'll talk about later. But it's important to know that with a restricted diet, we may need key supplements to replete the nutrients that have been removed by the foods we are not eating. And second of all, I think the thing that happens that you spoke so well to with the soul piece, Tiffany, is that we start to retreat and not spend time with people where food is involved. So we stop socializing in the same way. And the thing that I had to train myself to do is what I call opt-in. So um, opt into the parts of the situation I can opt into. If I'm going out with a bunch of girlfriends and they're drinking wine, I'm not sitting there going, I wish I could drink a glass of wine. I can't really handle the wine. You know, I'm just in the conversation. I'm totally all in, 100% where I can be in. If I go to somebody's house for dinner, I ask what I can bring. I make sure I'm bringing a sweet and a savory so I can partake in the community. Right. I'm always taking care of myself and not asking anybody outside to do that for me. It's my job to opt in. That's my job. And I can do it without lecturing anybody, without you know anybody having to get on the same page as me or understand the decisions I make. They're mine. And that's something that I think in this community we really need to pay attention to. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, you know, and, and a great tip for, like, going out with your friends and, you know, uh, is to, to order, you know, some water or some Perrier with a twist in a in a martini glass. In other words, you can partake. It doesn't necessarily mean that you mm-hmm. have to have alcohol in your glass, but you can still get the, you know, the fluffy participation feeling by with yes. a couple cheap, you know, so to speak. So that um, is so very important because, you know, we hear that so very often where people feel, detached and of course there's that you know detachment issue just as it is and we add things that compound to that there's ways to get around that ways to to make that a, a lesser effect so i, that I was just a, love that and that was an extreme flower filled moment for me guys i had to just sit back and listen oh, that was just i know you did huh? you know? i know you did yeah <laughs> 
That was really good. Sometimes we have sorrowful moments on the show, Andrea, and we just have to like <laughs> kind of take things in. I was having a huge sorrowful moment during all of that. It just really hit home for me. Wow. Yeah, good. Thank yeah, I think you. a butterfly moment too, right? Yeah, right? Well, right. So, it's, um, it's very helpful that Dana and I are both Hashimoto hypothyroids. So, you know, we, we experience all of these things. We're not, you know, coming at it from left field or anything like that. So sometimes... It'll bring up things, you know, maybe that we've experienced recently or uh, when we talk to people. And it, it's really an extraordinary experience. So those are our flower field moments. <laughs> those are our flower field moments. We actually Love created, it. we created, um, we have just, uh, I think, eight products that are essential oil blends. Tiffany is this, an essential oil guru and has mm. been doing it for 10 years. And we... Um, our first flower field moment, and we had many of them, was with Stacy Robbins. I know you know Stacy, and yes. so we she is. we actually created she is a flower we, field. She is a that's flower field. True. She is, and so that's what we came up um, with with the name, and we um, we have a flower field moments, um, you know, hydrating uh, epiphany mist, and uh, we sent her one, and she loves it. She took it on her trip with her. And uh, and and so yeah, we we have our flower field moments every now and again. I have to, we just come something hits home and one of us has to take a break or both of us. So mm-hmm. that was a huge flower field moment for me. Everything you said and and I want to opt in and that is what I'm going to do and that is what I'm going to call it. And I I really feel very strongly about about all the negatives associated with food that it just makes me so overwhelmed that sometimes I just say, okay, okay, I can't do it. And so if I opt in and I look at it as love and nutrition and all of those things that you were saying, that, that makes me feel better. It just makes me feel better thinking about food. All the yeah, everything. The I mean, the opt-in for me, just, you know, going, tying back to my own story, just to put this in context, because I think it's it's helpful for us to all think about, is when my husband died and people would ask me, do you have good days and bad days? And I would say, yeah, but the bad days aren't when I cry. I'm not a big crier. So if I cry, I'm like, oh, good. There's a little detox happening here because I just am not a big crier. Uh, my son and I joke that I think he's seen me cry like once or twice in 15 years. So I just don't cry a lot. So it wasn't a bad day if I cried. A bad day was when I felt like nobody understood me, that I was off on the sidelines and showing up at preschool and going to potlucks and like nobody could get my life. And that's when I felt it was a bad day because that feeling, and we can all feel this when we have autoimmunity. So when we have Hashimoto's and nobody around us is is experiencing the signs or symptoms we are you know our partners are losing weight when they take out gluten and we're not or there's no energy to get through the day we feel really isolated luckily that's changing you are both changing that we're changing that with our online communities there's definitely places to feel more connected but in our everyday it can feel really isolating and so for me being widowed with a small child in my mid thirties, I didn't know anybody else like me. And it was a bad day when that's all I could think of. And so the work I did was to opt in to say, what do we have in common? She's a mom. I'm a mom. 
there we go. There, she has a boy who's that age. I have a boy that's that age. We both lived in San Francisco before moving to Portland. I just would find the places of connection instead of focusing on the places of disconnection. And temperamentally, I'm somebody who can easily go into the tortured artist, nobody understands me place. So I have to watch that. that. And <laughs> this really comes from like the know thyself place, I believe is also part of um, the functional nutrition practice. The better we know ourselves, the better we catch ourselves before we fall down the rabbit holes that don't serve us. I look at those days as redirect days. Those are days mm-hmm. that say, okay, now I need to look back, and that's a, it's time to redirect, you know, do something a little yeah. bit different or pay attention to the last few days. Well, of course, we want to jump right in because you are so incredibly intelligent, and we have a limited amount of time with you, and we always love the way that you talk about, the, you know, principles of a functional practice. We want to talk about reframing. So let's define what some of this actually means for everybody. So can you set the stage of a fully functional perspective and how that applies with thyroid and Hashimoto? Let's just jump right in because I know you have several things that you want to talk about as far as a framework. So we're going to kind of rein in. and and Yeah, and we've been talking about them too. So I think we set a really good stage. Kind of neatly, but uh, I know you have names for them. And, and yes. you're going to go, you know, we'll be able to, people will be able to plug those in. But I know you have awesome. really set awesome frameworks that I really want people to, to hear about the way that, you know, sets the stage for everything. Yes. So let's jump yeah. in and so do let's your, talk your about framing. The functional practice. Yeah, the, frame, the framework that we have to think of with functional medicine and how that then goes down, goes to every single part of the healthcare practice. There's three main concepts that I like to think of there. And um, number one is that we're always looking for the root cause. So why, 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 why? We can't just address signs and symptoms. We have to think about the roots. And for us as patients, we might need to think into, uh, are there infections? Was there a root cause infection? Is there a blood sugar imbalance? What is happening that I actually have the power to deal with? And how do I make sure I'm working with practitioners that are looking for the root cause, not just addressing signs, symptoms, and diagnoses? So Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, those are downstream effects of upstream imbalances. So we need to really be thinking through that lens. Downstream effects of upstream imbalances. That is, that's a very powerful statement right there. Oh, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a, an Andrea um, meme out of that one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to make a meme for you out of that. That was fantastic. So that's the number one thinking when we come to functional practices. And number two is that we do think in systems, that we have to break things down, especially when we're looking at autoimmunity. Things can get really complicated. So we want to work with systems and frameworks that allow us to see the whole person. And, um, you know, I always like to say that if we don't see the whole person, their story, their soup, which is how I talk about the inner physiology and what they're doing, their 
skills, the story, the soup, and the skills, which we'll talk more about, if we don't see that whole person, then we're in a realm that's true but partial. So if you're not getting better, then what you're doing isn't, uh, isn't false. It's definitely true, whatever you're doing to support yourself, but it's partial. It means that something else isn't being addressed. So root cause, working in systems. Number three principle for a functional practice is that we work in partnerships. And when you see that in relation to a functional medicine practitioner, we all applaud the doctor. We all say, oh, he's going to, she's going to be my partner and we applaud them. Well, I'm really a stand for the patient becoming a partner in the healthcare team, the primary partner. So how do we as patients stop looking? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really lost. Even though we think we're not, we're still all looking for the next quick fix. And we really need to elevate our understanding of what is happening inside of our body. What are we doing every day, every single day, not going to bed on time? What are all the things that add up that we actually have more control over ourselves? And I don't mean to say like it's easy, but we need to be looking for those underlying things and the things we can do. So partnerships for me about are about the patient having a partnership with their practitioner, with different practitioners, on the team having partnerships with each other. So, you know, in my practice and what I teach other practitioners in Holistic Nutrition Lab is how do you work in partnerships with other practitioners on the team, whether they be doctors or acupuncturists, we got to work together for the patient. And finally, how is the patient in partnership with themselves? How are we each really tuning into our bodies to listen to what it's telling us? And that's a pretty, that's a pretty big percentage. I mean, just my own personal perspective, I think that, you know, like you said, oftentimes we, we unfortunately look to the physician for the entire answer rather than viewing ourself as an, as an enormous piece of information that, that actually you know, allows the practitioner more information to help you heal. But it's that communication that's so very important and that's very lacking in, you know, nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, uh, but quite a few people do not view their practitioner as a partner, like you were saying. These are, this is an enormous partnership. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So important. I love it when people actually have physicians. We've we've spoken with, you know, quite a few physicians that have had women literally cry in their office because they were asked a simple question of how are you feeling? You know, I mean, that's that just puts <laughs> puts it all out there of how many people don't feel like they're heard or, you know, get prescribed something and that's it rather than looking for the root cause. And there's quite a few people mm-hmm. that can have several root causes, correct? Absolutely. I mean, I love the term that Dr. Bredesen, who's an Alzheimer's doc, coined in terms of looking at 36 holes in the roof, that Alzheimer's doesn't express itself without a number of those holes being present in the roof. And what we can do is start to plug different holes. And what they found in Alzheimer's is that even if half of those 
holes or plugs. In fact, I think he said 14. He's found 14 of the 36. Then you see symptom reversal. So anything that's downstream, like a diagnosis, happened for a number of reasons. I like to think of it as the environment within. It wasn't one thing. It was many things conspiring to lead to that tipping point. And we start to do the work of reversal. And even though we think the physiological reversals are out of our control, there are things we can do with managing blood sugar, really getting our sleep, looking at relaxation and how we actually employ breathing that start to do the physiological work for us of reversing or plugging those holes. I have to say, I have to jump in really quick and tell you that I don't remember who we talked to. Um, gosh, Tiff, you have to help me about breathing. It was so important. And, you know, I don't believe in um, New Year's resolutions or anything like that. I just, you know, believe in... Was that Demo? Every, Demo every Demo day. Demo? It was Demo. Was it Demo? Well, it might have been Demo. I don't remember. Um, I'll be pretty amazed but if it was I, him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be great, right? Um, but we we are, we are have become a society of mouth breathers, and mm-hmm. I have been working really hard on keeping my mouth closed. <laughs> And I think that that is really important. I know it's funny, but we're talking about breathing and we're talking about adding all this in. And it's yes. a tiny part. And nobody ever mentions that. Nobody ever says how important it is. You know, breathing and calming and breathing, how important. But keeping your mouth closed is really, yes. is really important. Not just talking, but when you breathe, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, that all has a beautiful impact at a cellular level. When we think about one of the main parts of the soup, it's oxidative stress or our uh, internal um, free radical damage and breathing and breathing in and keeping our oxygen levels in the right ranges is a huge part of dealing with that internal stress. We tend to only think of stress as like the bills and the kids and the aging parents and the car and all of that. But we have internal stress, especially when we have Hashimoto's and breathing is a simple way. We don't have, we could think of it just as sitting at, at the edge of a chair and engaging in a practice, but it's doing something internally that's helping to reverse the damage. I love that. I love that we actually can do simple things to reverse the damage that's contributing to our signs, our symptoms, and our diagnoses. Mm. Me too. Flower-filled moment. Big time right there. And I've got my mouth closed. Everybody take a breath. There you go. I'm breathing through my nose. I'm just relaxing. I'm listening. I'm learning. I'm loving all of this. This is a really powerful show for me. Um, Personally, I'm going through just some things, and so I may be a little more quiet than normal, but um, everything's pretty much resonating. So just keep going, woman. You're doing great. Should we Can talk we, about story? Because I think that that is a key I was just going to say, I, I was going right good. there. Let's jump back <laughs> to that first framework and, and stay focused. Dan and I have some trouble with that at times. We just love that you're here and we're just relishing the whole thing. But let's go back to the first framework, and, and that's what you refer to as the story. So how does this play out with Hashimoto's and the role of genetics and triggers and the potential mediators for those? 
Yeah, huge, huge thing. And this is where I'm spending a lot of my time and research, really hoping to bring more of this in an expanded fashion to this community, to the community of people who maybe just aren't getting better. So our story is that first framework, like you said, Tiffany, story, soup, and skill. Those are terms that I've borrowed from um, Dr. David Hazy, a functional neurologist, and um, I think they set up the framework really, really well. So our story is comprised of what in functional medicine we call our ATMs, and that stands for our antecedents, our triggers, and our mediators. So understanding our story really allows us to slow down the process and communicate, like you were saying, with our practitioners about who we are in a different way than just showing up with our symptoms. So our antecedents are our genetics. And in Hashimoto's, there's a huge genetic factor for all of us. There's, there's a, what we call a three-legged stool. And one of those legs that autoimmunity has to stand on in order to express is the genetic predisposition. And this can happen in the womb, what we were exposed to, or our mother or father's genetics, and um, can also be related to things that we might have heard of, like polymorphisms or SNPs that impact our ability to detoxify, like MTHFR and COMT for the listeners that are familiar with those genetic polymorphisms. So we know that some of those are at play. And what each of us needs to do is start to unfurl, uncover what is true about our genetics. What do we know? Can you interview your mom? Can you find out more from your dad? If you can't, you know, people ask me often, like, I was adopted. I can't do that. If you can look to your children and see what might be similar about you, there's ways that we can start to put these pieces together. And there's also testing that we can do to learn more about our genetics. So genetics I'm are funny. Cause, Audrey, oh, go ahead. Do, you have, go ahead. do you happen to have a favorite testing just, just to kind of whoop? Bring you in there. Any favorite testing genetic-wise that you might You know, have? I'm a fan of just doing, when we're doing serum labs, you know, when you're getting your thyroid panel, just asking first and foremost for a serum MTHFR just to start to know whether you have right. methylation issues. We will That's look at people's <laughs> 23andMe tests. It is a big one. But, um, you know, gene testing is true but partial because it tells you what genes you have, but our genes are not the blueprint. We all know the saying, the, you know, the environment is what pulls the trigger. The genes load the gun and the environment pulls the trigger. So I'm more of a fan of making the environmental changes meaning we change how we eat, we change our lifestyle, we change the toxins in our environment to help whatever the genes may be if we're not in a position to do all sorts of fancy testing. Right. That single one MTHFR is is a crack of the door of many lifestyle changes. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And also addressed differently for each of us. So um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that an MTHFR polymorphism isn't just a quick fix. It's better to be working with a practitioner that understands what's happening for you as you start to address 
that dosing and the right forms of supplements, given the whole environment, are not always easy to find. So, yeah. Well, and that can be a very slippery slope for people that that, um, consult with people that don't know what they're talking about because they can feel very unwell with wrong guidance very quickly. Exactly. So that's Yeah, so that's. That's huge. That is huge. So everybody who's listening, that is huge. You need to be working with someone once you once you determine that. And I want to just jump back really quick to saying, you know, looking at the whole picture because I'm always the person that comes into the office, the doctor's office, and, and wants to tell my story, my history, because I think it's really important. <laughs> and they all just jot, 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 and jot, and don't ask me anything about it. And it really does, it's a starting point. I mean, I have three things that I say. I say I was, um, the umbilical cord was wrapped around my head three times and they were pulling me Mm. and suffocating me on the way out. So they had to turn me. Okay, that's number one. I think that's huge. I think, I don't exactly know how, but that's that's one thing. I fell out of a two-story window when I was three Mm. years old. I landed on a deflated baby pool and they said I was Mm. fine and, you know, whatever. Okay, but there's that. And then I had spinal meningitis when I was five. Mm-hmm. So, My God. so taking it all into account, just it, it, to me, is a great starting place. You need to look at it all. So I'm glad that you said that. And for everybody out there, you know, find somebody or teams of people who will work together with you, and and it all matters. And you are individual. So, just wanted to yeah. And there. all those things, Dana, are triggers. So that's our second part of this internal framework. So the antecedents were there. You have triggers. What you just expressed to me was in birth, you had a tremendous amount of stress, whether you could identify that or not. There was extra stress and oxygen deprivation going back to or potential oxygen deprivation going back to our breathing. You also had a potential, you know, when you fell and there could have been spinal misalignment that is going to affect your head, which is going to affect your pituitary, your hypothalamus. You see, you start to put these things together. And as you unravel your story, it gives you more clues about what you could be doing to support yourself. This right. really, right. this is where the story is like illuminating. And totally, and everybody and has invited. their own story. There's, it's not like yeah. you can just stamp out, you know, one no. answer fits for everybody. Because when you look at the uniqueness of the way the people got there, which I've already forgotten that wonderful meme we were making for you, but that's all part of that. Your story is part of the answer. You have to go back and look at this cascade of things that came from the womb. That's that's part of your healing is understanding how you got there, and no one can tell yeah. you that but you. You're you have to consult with yourself. Yes. <laughs> the ultimate yes. consultant. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> definitely. So definitely. Triggers. I like to I think of wondered. it as like the medical memoir, which is really what my first book will be about. Like, how do we do this work to make these associations? Are you going to um, call it that? Yeah. I love that. Medical memoir. Oh, memoir. my gosh. Ooh, that your, I like it. Is that going to be your title? <laughs> I love that it, too. But the, the, the world out there in publishing isn't as enamored with the saying, but that's what I'm calling it. Oh, so we'll call it privately. I love that. <laughs> and that's, that, is, that summarizes exactly what we are just talking about, the medical memoir. I love that. I do, too. Everyone I don't care what they to say. Everyone needs to have their own. <laughs> You know, the I other love thing it. I, 
about like memoir is that in order for somebody to write a memoir, if we think about it from a writer's standpoint, which, you know, I shared, I do think through that lens, a writer in order to write a memoir has to be somewhat detached from the crazy emotion of their story. And, you know, a good example here is if you read a memoir by somebody who's still angry you can't really read it. Like you're going to put that book down because it's uncomfortable, but we can write, read memoirs about people who have suffered the most impossible injustices. And the reason we can read those memoirs is because they did the work to get their story out of the place of the tangled emotion and onto paper. And this is really what, for me, the medical memoir is. It's the process of doing that work and understanding these deep connections between what we're experiencing and our story and our physiology. And that enables us to give documentation to our medical partners that is in a form that they can digest because it's detached from the emotion that we often carry mm-hmm. with our story. Does that make sense? I just got goosebumps. So yes. I just got goosebumps. Absolutely. So it definitely made sense to me. <laughs> well, it's putting so it I want to finish you know, on this. There's first, so many people that get first, oh, confused in their head. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say there's so many people that get confused in their head. You know, my sister says that I, you know, have an affinity for writing because I can actually put it differently on paper than it, you know, it, I'm better at expressing something on paper than I am at actually speaking it. <laughs> I get confused. Yeah. It's jumbled up. Yeah, and when we have to put it on paper, we have a different relationship with it because we're we're creating a more objective relationship when it's on the page than when it's just a side of us, and that thought is really tangled up. Mm, There's a flower field right there. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we've talked about genetic triggers, and how about potential mediators? Real quick, as part of yeah, the and I think this is a great, I'm really glad we just focused on this area because this is really my passion, this story piece, because it all relates to the other two, the soup and the skill. The soup is really about the triggers, the skill or all those things we're talking about where we crowd out the foods, where we take time to breathe. So we really covered the three areas, the story, the soup, and the skill. And we're diving into the inner structure of the story, which is the antecedents, the triggers, and the mediators are the things we do or don't do every day that help us to feel better or worse. And the mediators can certainly be eating gluten, not going to sleep on time, having certain food sensitivities or those nutrient deficiencies that we talked about. Are you able to digest and take in your proteins? So, you know, a really good example here might be somebody who is deficient in iron, which is going to affect their thyroid hormone production. And so they adopt a diet where they're eating a lot of iron rich foods, a lot of animal proteins, but they have decreased stomach acid, which is also a contributing factor for thyroid disorders. And they're not able to break down those proteins. So they're doing the right thing or thinking so, you know, it's that true, but partial with their dietary change, but the body cannot accept that 
um, that healing modality. And so we start to see where the inner workings of the body really do contribute also to some of these mediators. So the mediators are the things that we do or don't do every day that help us to feel better or worse. And this to me is my favorite because it's where we feel like we have some more power in our hands. If you right. know that when you go to sleep, past, instantly, yes, right? exactly, exactly. Right. That's where you really get to take back some control and, you know, real, really be honest with yourself. Mm. That's hard yeah, to do, there's but, so many things but that important. It is. <laughs> I love the way you talk about the partiality of, of something unless you do it correctly and and have the guidance to do it correctly then you can get yourself into some trouble so right correctly for you you know correctly like what does that mean doing it correctly for you and your body Mm, we say that on every show love it should we jump over the soup a little bit because i know that people we want to talk a little bit about skills you mentioned that some people want to jump ahead to that? Do you want to touch a little bit on the soup or should we run into sure. skill and what do you think? We're going to leave yeah, that entirely up to you. Yeah, I'll just say that like the, <laughs> the soup is where we start to map out, you know, how are we, how's the gut doing top to bottom? Is there inflammation, which is very common for people with Hashimoto's? Are we detoxifying correctly? Are there any structural issues like, you know, falling and bonking the head? Is there oxidative stress? What's happening with the other hormones, the adrenals, the insulin? That's the soup. It's just really diving in and understanding Understanding and mapping what are all those things going on and we've touched on a number of those so that that I just want to identify when I talk about the soup it's that environment within the skills are the things like you said that we often want to just jump to and that for me includes sleep and relaxation exercise and movement nutrition and hydration stress and resilience and relationship and networks and we've talked into some of those things as well. We just want to make sure that when we're making changes in that er- in one of those areas that we're they're in keeping with our unique needs. So let me just take an example. I've talked about sleep quite a bit. I've mentioned it. So let's say we as patients go to uh, our doctor and say we're having insomnia. So when somebody says that to me, I want to know a whole bunch of things. Uh, What time are you going to sleep? Is that a regular time? Are you falling asleep okay? How long does it take you to fall asleep? Are you waking up in the middle of the night? What time does that happen every day? How long do you stay awake at that time? You know, there's so much that helps me to drive the therapy home to meet the needs of that individual. That's not how insomnia is dealt with in standard medical care. It's dealt with as one thing. (laughs) Yes, take this pill. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So when we develop our skills, and that might be what 
supplement we're taking, what our practices are, we need to know it actually addresses the underlying imbalance that's leading to that symptom, not addressing the symptom. So when we look at skills, we have to know the story in the soup. And this is one of my personal pet peeves with the online telesummit phenomenon, because we as experts are all out there touting different supplements, different diagnoses, and everybody's thinking, oh, that's me. And we don't know if it's them. That's not functional. So take it in if you're listening to everything out there and ask somebody who can help you determine if that's the right thing for you just because it's worked for them or the people they see in clinic who have a particular underlying imbalance doesn't mean it's right for you. And that could in turn cause more problems. Well, it's, it's missing the origin too. I I totally agree. And, you know, where I see unfortunately frequently where supplements get in my opinion, and this is just my own opinion, but can be abused just like pharmaceuticals. It misses the origin and the process and the pathway that caused the problem in the first place. I love the fact that you actually mentioned that because it's, it can be, um, unfortunately, very misguiding and it doesn't fix anything, yes. right? It's just a, right, so I love, I love that. Yeah, so in thinking about, about some of the, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, go ahead, please. I just wanted to make sure that everybody was able to get uh, the thyroid diagram that I like to share. And uh, you can get that at replenishpdx.com forward slash nation. And that shows you the factors that affect thyroid function. And you can start to see the missing nutrients. And that doesn't mean you take those supplements. It means these might be contributing to the underlying or root cause of your signs, symptoms, or diagnosis. Mm, I love that. Andrea, could you repeat that one more time where people can find that? Yes. It's replenishpdx.com forward slash nation. And uh, for people who are like PDX, <laughs> uh, when I started Replenish, it was, I thought I would just be local. I didn't know I'd be reaching 50 countries around the globe. And PDX is what we in Portland, Oregon, call Portland. The airport is called PDX and we, uh, we call ourselves PDX. So everybody tends to add a PDX after the name. So um, that's what that is in case there's curiosity about that there was that was thank you i was wondering thank you <laughs> perfect totally well um well, there's so much more we could, we could keep you on the we could keep you on here for hours and hours but i want to i know you have to go and and i want to thank you so much for coming on and i'm excited for your book and you are definitely coming back when that comes out <laughs> because um i cannot wait I cannot wait for it. And, you know, you were in book publishing, so you're right. You're late on the, the book train. It's time to jump on that thing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Hope I would love to come back even before that because that probably won't be till 2018. But, yes, so much fun to spend time with both of you. Well, thank you for well, doing what, what you do. New? Thank you. Oh, no, I was just going to say, what's new on the, on the, oh, the yes. Oh, yes. little bit sooner horizon than your book? Tell us what's 
what's going on with Andrea. We love to hear what what you're what you're doing. Please. Yeah, we are very excitedly uh, re revising our whole counseling, uh, nutrition counseling process on the patient side of things. So we're really making sure that we can help everybody who's coming our way and that's happening in increasing numbers. We want to be able to serve people. I have a team of nutritionists. We all work together. I don't people directly anymore, but I'm involved in every case on the back end, looking at every lab. So we're really uh, working out the details so that everybody coming in, even if they decide not to proceed with us, are getting some of these key tools to help them in their health care. So that's on the patient side. On the practitioner side in Holistic Nutrition Lab, for any practitioners out there, I'm always um, adding to the school's repertoire and really committed to helping more and more practitioners think and practice functionally. And um, I just, I love working with the practitioners because as we all know, there need to be more of them that know how to do this work. And they need some help, absolutely. And I'm glad it's you that's helping. <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you because it, um, this happens to me a lot. And I'm a Costa Rica gal, so we say things a little bit different. Different. Is it Andrea or Andrea? It is Andrea. I have to say, I'm. You know, I was. I was born and raised on the East Coast, so I'm. I'm used to Andrea. So, I. That's fine. But it, it's Andrea. <laughs> it's Andrea. <laughs> well, just like Andrea is so great. I'm Dana. I'm Dana. I was wondering about that. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And and so <laughs> it's Dana with two ends. You know, we had Dana Trentini on the show, and um, you know we were back and forth. Dana and Dana and Dana that and Dana was, was getting twist. confusing. <laughs> it was a tongue twister. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to make sure. So it's Andrea. So now we know, and we will say it correctly, oh, and we sure. cannot wait to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. This information was invaluable. I can't wait to re-listen to it, and we will tell everybody where they can find you. And thank you so much. Have a fabulous, fabulous day. Yes, you too. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Goosebumps. Have a great day. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Wow. This one takes the the cake for me. You can't. I, you I can't. So you say it all the time. You say it all the time. No, this is no, no. This is different. This is different. She is so incredibly intelligent, and I love the fact that she's training practitioners and that she sits in the background on on um, patient cases. She is an extraordinary woman with an extraordinary story at the same time. I mean, we could just go back and you and I both, because we're such (laughs) blubbers, we could just start crying all on ourselves just over again over her story. I just can't even imagine. But um, she's extraordinary. Uh, That's my favorite. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, and you know, we really could have gone on. She had some really great points and and some things that, you know, we we wanted to discuss with her, and we really could have gone on and on. But, you know, we talked about some really great things, and and so, uh, we you know, we had to wrap. We only had so much time, but we'll definitely have to have her back in her book. Oh, God, can you imagine? It's going to be fantastic. So that was a fantastic. Thank God there's not a pre-order on that. 
Oh gosh, really? <laughs> right, I'd be. So I'm pre-order can... right now. She just puts it up. She puts the link up. I'll pre-order right now. She get it published for free. <laughs> so you can find this extraordinary woman and all things, all things, sometimes, uh, Andrea, at uh, replenishpdx.com. She has an amazing site. One of the big memes on the front is feed your microbiome and. Oh, my goodness, she has five top tips for mastering root cause resolution and just a power, power-packed uh, site, replenishpdx.com. And for the mm. free gift, forward slash nation. Um, nation, or, or just right, to, right, just, right. Just to check that out. So, Thyroid Nation, you know, love that. That's great. Oh, I won't forget I that, that now. And, um, and definitely <laughs> check out her Pinterest page because we are going to make some knock yummies um, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Me and my kids are. It looks fantastic. So the Pinterest page, check that out. And, of course, she's on all social medias. She was a powerhouse. That was fun. She was easy. I want to just go out and, and just have dinner and hang out with her. She was fabulous. So thank you guys for, for joining us. And thank you, thanks to Andrea for, for coming on and, and letting me say her name wrong several times. Um, happens to me, too. So <laughs> I, I understand. The whole time. I feel so bad. I know, me too. It happens to me, right? So there you go. Oh, well. As always, we want to thank our listeners. Um, Really, we do this for you, so thank you so much. And if you have a story, a story to tell, please, please share it with us. And you can submit your story on our website, thyroidnation.com. There's a little place where you can put submit your story, and we will uh, publish it, and it can help others not feel so alone and and you know, understand you know that you know everybody's different, but but we all kind of are connected in one or in lots of ways. And so uh, we want to hear your story. We want to share it with others so that others can feel supported and and connected to a community. So check that out. She has inspired me to journal my own medical memoir. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because okay. it's really important that I have it on paper. <laughs> It is. And it's also important for my children that I have it on is. paper. There's so much information down with my mom that, that passed with I her know. that that has to be written down. I mean, that is that is my well, I kept thinking memoir. that. I kept thinking of that. Yeah. You know, she mentioned several things throughout the show, and I kept thinking of that, how it relates to you and, and your mom. 36 polls, oh. and oh, my gosh, Dana, when she said that, there were times I, I just know. stood there and watched my mom, and I I could literally apply I kid you not the thirty six holes to my mother just sitting here. I, I was almost in tears thinking, it's just it's so very true. It's it's a, a cascade of things. There's no single single deal. Anyways, um, but I, thank you, Andrea, for inspiring me to journal my own medical memoir. I'm going to put it down on paper so my girls have it on paper and my son has it on paper. But uh, thank you. So be sure to check out or a little switch flips there. (laughs) Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. We have some amazing products that Dana and I designed, like Brain Awake Inhaler, Mist Me, which I enjoy so very much. I love that. That's like an aromatherapy, but it's so good for the skin as a toner, uh, and many other products that we made with love and light and, of course, preservative-free with only the best intentions of your health. 
So please be sure to check those out at Thyroid Nation Essentials. Yes, and and really everything in it, when I tell people, everything in it is good for you. Everything. The bottle is a dark blue bottle. So we took into account everything. Uh, we wanted it to be good for you, not not almost good for you or mostly good for you. And the love that was made, I, I want to bring up yes. something that was said to me at the farmer's market yesterday up in Big Bear was that um, they appreciated how much love that they could feel, the love and the energy in my products. I almost cried. <laughs> oh, I was like, honey. it's a little piece of love from me. It is. That is, you know, Thyroid Nation Essentials is a little piece of love from from me and you. It is. We've talked about it that is. many well, times. It <laughs> is. And, it, and I sit here and my poor brain awake um, – it just looks terrible because I just keep it and put it in my bra strap. I throw it in my purse, but I have it during every oh show. <laughs> and I just, I just love it. And it's, it's part of the radio show now. It sits here, and once we finally start blabbing, you'll be able to see. I have all my stuff just sitting out, so we'd love for you to try it. Um, they're fabulous. Uh, if you don't want to, you don't have Today to. Today would have been made a fascinating them. blab. Right, it would have been, um, but we made it with, with love and light for 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 your health and and for your good thyroid yeah. stuff. We we wanted it to be good for you, so we did that. Okay, A we're jumping around. And Tiffany, with you. That's we right. Are. We're well uh, over the place today. <laughs> okay, follow us on Thyroid Nation. We have a Facebook group. We show every um, week's guest. We put the show so that you can listen to it afterwards. We share it there. We have a bunch of people, uh, you know, asking questions. So it's just a support group on on Facebook. So you can join us there. We're, of course, we're on all the other social medias as, as well. You are all over the place. Thyroid Nation is all over the place. I love it. I, know. I love it. I know. Nation of love. I know. Right? Yes. Nation so most importantly, Dana and I, we remind you at the end of every show, and of course, Andrea did a fabulous job of talking about story, but um, we want to always remind you that wellness is a journey. You have your own story. You got here your own unique way, and you have to talk to yourself and take continual maintenance and evaluation in this journey. So please be sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. That's your story only you have it can tell you what that is and your body does talk That's to you powerful, you just man. Gotta, you, you just gotta Seriously. listen it's so powerful i just got goosebumps and we say the same thing every every show but i just got goosebumps so it's one of those shows but she sealed okay, the deal guys. she sealed the deal uh, on this she, show you know no she she rocked that this that's fantastic can't wait to listen to it again Okay, know, guys, right? um, this is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Gringa Tika from Costa Rica. And Tiffany Milanich of Grateful Garden. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. I said that funny. Okay, guys, thank you. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>